everyone. Thank you for supporting the Tigers Minor League Report. Thanks to a loyal listener idea. He provided a GoFundMe that has supported our travels in 2023 and pay for website costs. If you are interested in supporting our site, please consider donating to our PayPal. You can find the link in the show's description or on our website. If you want to donate monthly, we have a Patreon you can join as well. The goal is to raise money to continue our work. Hopefully, we can go to spring training in 2024 or possibly even the Arizona Fall League. Once again, thank you for supporting the Tigers Minor League Report. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tigers Minor League Report podcast here at TigersMLReport.com. I'm Rogelio Castillo. Alongside me is nobody. Uh, right now, as it stands, there might not be Chris Brown tonight. So for the first time, I've done... Let's see here. I've done over... It's not a humble brag or anything. I'm trying to think. I've done over 300 podcasts in my entire career doing this. And I've never done one by myself solo for more than five, 10 minutes. And Chris said that there might be a chance you might miss tonight. We're going to pull this together. If you're anybody's watching live right now on YouTube and if you're listening at home, thanks for listening. And uh, we have a lot to get to. We got the slides to present. So don't worry about that. And it's been a busy week in terms of the offense for Toledo. It was one of those weeks where there's football scores, literally football scores scored between the Louisville Bats and the Toledo Mudhens. Erie split the series with Bowie and West Michigan suffered a series of heartbreaking one-run losses in Lakeland. We got some history today as Clark hit his first double of his Lakeland career. So that took place and we'll, we'll get all into that tonight. So Thank you, everybody, who's participating in YouTube. And, of course, thank you for supporting us on our Super Chats. The extra content, I promise, will be coming this week. It's been, uh, I had a bronchial virus thing, funk thing, coming from Thursday. So, yeah, it's been a fun, pleasant day. I haven't been able to go to the ballpark because I'm not one of those people that wants to get masses of people, get the people sick, if you will. So, but uh, let's get into the slides this week. And let's get right into it. Well, that's actually last week's slide. So let me uh, upload the slides. Like I said, doing things by myself here. But yeah, Toledo this week was an offensive juggernaut. And it was, again, impressive to see the Astros just scored again. Yes, the Astros kicked the Tigers' ass today. No bones about it. There's no other way to say it, but... Yeah, there's no polite way of saying what happened today with Detroit and Houston. At least they won the first game. Parker Meadows had a dramatic home run on Friday, and Saturday's game was a little anticlimactic, but still. But Toledo, 68 runs off bats pitching. 68 runs. They scored 24, and they went 24. They won a game 24 to 10 on Tuesday, which was the most runs the bats have given up in their history. And Louisville has been around for a long time. If I'm saying Louisville incorrectly, please let me know. Cause I know there's two ways to say it. And I may be saying it incorrectly. And I think Keith has turned a corner. I would agree with that. And we'll get to Cole Keith in a second because I want to pause and catch my breath. It is Cole Keith's week. He went 11 for 24, three home runs, batted a cool 458. His, I, I, ironically enough, I think his, I think it was his uh, 
bat pip bat pip was something insane too and we're gonna pull some key we're gonna run today we're gonna run a lot of highlights today because without my show here is um it's just me and stan thank you for the 9.99 off the frickers building exquisite much appreciated yeah cole keith today was one of the things about Cole Keith is we, we get this question all the time. How come he's not getting called up when he's getting called up? And you have to kind of look at this point. I said this about Parker Meadows two weeks before it happened that he looked like he was ready. And when I got, when we talked to Scott Harris this week at the ballpark, it was one of those moments where he said that the legs and the defense was there. It was just waiting on the bat and the bat caught up. We saw that on Friday. We saw a really good defensive play. We've also on Friday too in center field. And I think with Cole Keith, it's where are you going to put him now? I, I, I think again, he has been fine at second base. He's been serviceable at second base. There's a room for it now, but I think what's going to happen is, excuse me. I think Mason Eggler is eligible to return. He's going to get a roster spot. Then you have to figure out, well, Cole Keith. Well, I mean, he's a logical court, logical choice. He should get that 40 man spot. But then who gets the call up September 1st? That's the question. So do you give that to Keith or do you get the Justin Henry Malloy? Who also had a good week. He's still learning how to play the, out, the outfield. Scott Harris mentioned this earlier in the week that. He wants him getting some more time there in the outfield. And so that brings up an interesting dilemma. Do you let Malloy just finish out the season, just getting more reps in the outfield? Because you bring up to Detroit, there's really no room for him. But Winsteel Perez, we'll get to him in a second. But let me just let me I'm just giving you an example of the power of Cole Keith. And and the thing is, every time he calls up. Every single time he hits a home run, we get that call. You get that. Where is he? Boom. Look at that. Draws his hands in. Just put the barrel on the bat and just boom. 103 off the bat, too. Great home run there. And then, but then you have Winsteel Perez. Winsteel Perez had six doubles this week. Six doubles. And in the month of, and I tweeted this out earlier today from the account, he is having a month. He's bad 316, 455, 645 with an OPS over 1,000 and a WRC plus of 168. He's hit 11 doubles this month. Six of them came off Louisville pitching. That's pretty funny. The only thing is, the only problem though is it's the same problem you have with Cole Keith. Where do you put him defensively? Where do you have the ability to, Put him because, look, Winsteel has struggled at second base. He tends to have the yips. He has decent range, but it's the simple play he struggles with. So then goes in the outfield, and the outfield has been pretty serviceable. He has played center field. He's played the outfield. And he's been he's held his own. So... There's some, but then again, where are you going to put him on the outfield up on the major league team? Tigers have a problem here right now. And I think 
I, I think really it's do you give just Keith a chance to let him play a third? Or do you let Justin Henry Malloy, who did I believe started a third today? That's a question that that, that really Scott Harris is asking himself right now because and Michael Mayer in the YouTube chat says it correctly, there is a it's a platoon. It's been a platoon situation. Matt Verling hasn't gotten it done. I still like Matt Verling as a hitter. And uh, Bloodright, thank you for the $5. I appreciate that. Off the Frickers building. Exquisite. You have a situation here where, and, and even add Eddie Lennard to the situation, add this to the scenario. I mean, he's, you would not know he's a neuter triple A. And good evening, Aiden. Good to see you in here as well on the YouTube chat. Eddie's Leonard, eight for 17 this week, two home runs. One of them was a monster shot. And he's also getting on base as well. He puts himself in that situation. Tigers have to really, for the first time in a long time, and Mark Gurash said this earlier, he texted me this, and he's right. Toledo has some legitimate prospects. Legitimate, you have to make, come, come make some really tough decisions here in the next couple of days. September 1st is when they make the final call up. So, Evan Woodbury of M Live mentioned that more likely, and I agree with him, and it makes a lot of sense that Mason Elwood will, because he's also rule five, he can't stay in Toledo forever either. So, and I think with the way the bullpen's been taxed, especially after getting the ask their asses kicked. Um, they're going to be shorthanded. So you would think that they would probably bring them up in the next couple of days or so. And Joyce, I agree with you on that. He, he says, if the Tigers don't feel that Banyas and McKinstry are part of the future, when you part ways, part ways and bring prospects up <laughs> again, apologize for the voice. So fighting off a uh, bronc. If you missed it earlier, I, I have a bronchitis infection, similar to COVID, but it's not. Yeah. Anyway, fun times. I I think it's one of those things where Shortani can't hold down the fort in the pen. No, Joe and Joe, I look forward to seeing you on Friday in Erie. I'll be out there at Erie to watch Paul Skeen's pitch out there, so I'm looking forward to it. As the Tigers have to make some tough decisions here, and. I, I would agree, though. Abanez and McKinstry don't seem like they'll be part of the future. Although Abanez, I mean, one of the things that points out, somebody pointed out to me was Abanez has been, a in terms of war, has not been like a, a, a player that has hurt the Tigers war-wise. He's a guy who's held his own, and he's been a, a, a guy who defensively I mean, he has made some, you know, some bad plays here and there, but who hasn't? But he was at one point over a one war. Now he's back to 0.8. But still, if there's not part of the future, then I agree with you. This is the time to do it. They did that with Eric Haas. I mean, Haas, he's a local guy. There's a big story, and I'm glad that Cleveland picked him up. And Cleveland, from all accounts, from what are my, my sources and my one of my guys over at prospect site told me that Cleveland really regretted that he was out of their system and he made some good leeway over there and he's back and I'm glad for him. But in this case, 
the Tigers, I mean, they picked up Carson Kelly, but I mean, Dylan Dingler had a pretty decent week too, and we'll get to him a little later, but then also Ryan Kreidler, Ryan Kreidler, six game hitting streak, seven for 20 for the week. It looks like he's back in the swing, in the swing of things a little bit. Andre Lipsius had a pretty good week for 19, had two home runs, only struck out once. He's on the 40 man roster. But Winsu, let's give Winsil Perez and him and Andre Lipsius. It's like a coin flip right now. You're going to have to either make a trade or they got they have to do something for this because Toledo Toledo's fun to watch right now because their offense has just been like I said 68 runs this week. 68 runs. Just in, insane. You you went by the Toledo Rockets Louisville Cardinal game essentially was on Tuesday night exactly what it was. They won by three touchdowns. I said two or excuse me, I'm bad at math. They won by two touchdowns. Three touchdowns. What is wrong with me? Okay. Anyway, they won 24-10. Then on Saturday, they won 16-2 and 10-3. They scored double digits three times this week. Louisville's, oh, that's a brutal team. That's brutal. That game on Tuesday took forever. We were clipping, we were getting clips for that. Chris and I were taking turns for that all night. On the pitching side of things, star-wise, Sarah Gibson Long, who we just had on the podcast on an interview series, you can check it out on our channel at YouTube. Go to the Tigers Minor League Report and go to our interview series. And Sarah Gibson Long talked about essentially throwing three new pitches. And it was really good. It was really fascinating to hear him talk about how he's been sequencing different a little bit and how he has the ability now to get out left-handers. And so good stuff from him. He could talk technical all day long. It was interesting too, because Chris did a little background on the fact that he was a swimmer in high school. And so that's kind of different. Whereas I think at least from, at least from my experience, you don't see, you see people specializing in, one sport seems like more and more versus two sports and to see swimming in there. That's a, that's a cool thing to see. So, well, yeah, you can check that out there. And a lot of again, who pitched today, he only had one strikeout, but he did a really good job of keeping them off, uh, off balance, by the way. Saw your Gibson long, by the way, because somebody tried to point out last week that I said it incorrectly. So, uh, but thank you, Stan. Yeah, it was, again, he was very, very generous this time. We have one more player interview series to come up on Wednesday. We're timing it right now. We're trying to talk to Steph Stevenson, who recently got called up to West Michigan and it's close to 70 steals. So that's, I mean, if you're listening, if you're familiar with Rick Anderson and 35 steal. <laughs> All right. making a bad Ricky Henderson reference, but the rest of the pitching staff, Montero struggled again a little bit. As much as I, I want to believe he wants to be a starter. I really want to believe that. He might be a reliever here, but I, hopefully he turns around and continues to learn. And Spencer Trimble was outright at Toledo. It looks like he'll spend the rest of the season in Toledo. Yeah, doesn't look too well. Three, two, there's inning, six hits, three runs. He did strike out five. He's pitching a little better, but looks like the Tigers made their mind up. They're not going to call him up to showcase him at all. So unless something changes, who knows? Because this week, the Tigers do play the Yankees for four-game series starting tomorrow. And as of, I believe it's Wednesday and Thursday, or excuse me, 
I believe it's Wednesday and let's see here. Let me double check this. So Olsen pitches tomorrow against Servino. School goes on Tuesday. Wednesday's TBD and Thursday's TBD. So we'll see what happens there as the Tigers try to shuffle up the rotation against the Yankees and the Yankees come to town. And um, why do I think the Montero could be a reliever stand is because just talking to some people in the organization is that kind of stuff to where he, he, if he, Excuse me. If you can execute a slider well, then yeah, um, then I think he'll be a, a. I think he could be a two pitch pitcher if he doesn't get that change up down. So, um, but a lot of people like him as a, or in the organization as a reliever too. So, um, Scott has. I mean, again, I think the fastball slider plays up pretty well. But if you can't execute that change up on a consistent basis, although the pitch is getting better, then you might end up being a reliever. That's a kind of, the, the spin stuff he has on his slider. Again, some of the people in the organization think he could be a reliever. TBD has logged in a bunch of innings this year. Uh, Scott, with the question here, do you think Mike Rottenberg is going to end up with West Michigan or back to Lakeland? It was strange, Scott, by the way, that I him ending up back on the developmental list, I thought he did pretty well. I mean, he's third or fourth in the org in home runs. I know he's a little advanced for his age, but still, it was a surprise to see him back over there. Defensively, he's fine. I don't know. I, I hope that he does end up in West Michigan. I think West Michigan could use some more catching help, but we'll see what happens. But I again, I was very surprised to see him on the developmental list. All right, let's move on here. All right, so if anybody else has any questions about Toledo, we can move on here shortly, or we can continue on to Erie. And actually, I'm going to get something to drink. Well, I'm going to slide over here in my fridge. I'm right here for a second. And you know what? We'll play a highlight because. Yeah, Scott, that was. Yeah, that left me kind of um, left me kind of confused there because I think he's done enough to. He's not been a detriment at all to in terms of Lakeland or anything like that with the rotation. So I don't know. It's. Some of the things when they've gone to the that I've kind of not understood that at all, but it is what it is. So let's again and left the it, there's a lot of comments about the why the, the just Henry Malloy are not up in the defense or everything. No problem at all, Scott. I'm glad to answer that question. Is anyone better than Vasquez? Um in double A, I don't know. Lyle Logiker might give Vasquez a run for his money. We'll we'll talk about him in a second, but I don't know that, that that's another one where I'm kind of like, yeah, there is a, you know what Tyler said it best. And I've been saying this for the last few weeks, the Tigers have a good problem right now. They actually have organizational depth and they actually can trade that because they have their guy. I mean, if you think about it, if we go to Erie, let me pause that for a moment. I got something to drink. Thanks, guys. Like I said, doing a solo show, never done it before. All right. Scott Harris has his guys. There's still a lot of the Avila influence in here. 
and the and the Tigers also have their analytics guys, guys that they chose between Jay Satori and the rest of them, and we'll see how that shakes out because they are probably high on some of the Alavila guys, case of Point Marker Meadows, what have you. But yeah, they're gonna have to make a trade. They're gonna have to trade at some point here, so it has to be. And R one, look in terms of like left hand relievers, Andrew Magno would come to mind, but the problem is he's too inconsistent, and he does have big league stuff. You could see him there. Magno, Mango could do it too, but he walks too many batters, so that's the big problem. He control his walks a little better. Sure. But Lockhart, yeah, I would throw him in the, in the bunch there too. So, um, thank you, Steve. Steve Cook is watching from home right now. Sean Gunther. Oh, I forgot about Sean Gunther. Wolf is doing good. We'll get to Erie. Let's get to Erie. Let's just get to Erie because there's plenty to talk about in Erie this week. And I just talked to Chris. He said he's going to be joining as soon. Yeah, soon. So, All right, uh, continue on here. So, yep, I mentioned that earlier that the spot did clear. So, B- Erie had a pretty tough week in terms of their component. They had, first and foremost, they had Bowie come in, and they had the Jackson Holiday experience in. And Bowie has been, along with Norfolk, the AAA affiliate, fun teams to watch play. Because Baltimore's team, Baltimore is stacked. And by the way, they're not a first-place tie. They have a two-game lead. In first place. So right now, as it stands, Erie has potential to win the first half and second half title. West Michigan has a chance to get to the playoffs. Lakeland has a chance to get to the playoffs. And that'd be the first time since 2018 when the Gulf Coast Tigers, West Michigan, and I want to say Erie went to the playoffs. Or no, no, I'm sorry, Toledo, Doug McKavich. Remember him? Oh, the name I haven't heard in a while. Minnesota twin icon. Luis Santana. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know where his powers come. I mean, he is a built guy. When you see Luis Santana person, he is all muscle. He's a short dude, but he is generates power. And he has 17 home runs in 17 games. And he had three more home runs this week. Extra base power coming out of nowhere. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about it whatsoever. I mean, it is remarkable. They're getting that kind of production. Jace Young also had a really good week. Had another home run. Seven for 19. Just Big B. 25th. 25th. Multi-hit game. And, yeah, that's... Yeah, we'll get to Hurler in a second, too. We'll talk about his performance. He had a really good performance, too, this weekend. And Bigby, again, is a straw that serves a drink. And a lot of also call him up to Toledo. Call him up to Toledo. Why? I understand that you want him to advance to the next level and see what he can do. But if he can help Erie in the playoffs, that helps the franchise. That helps sell seats. That helps Erie. It helps his development, too, because you look at the outfield right now in, Erie, in Toledo right now, although... It is a hodgepodge too. Ryan Kryler's been playing the outfield. You have you have uh, Malloy out there. You have why am I drawing a blank all of a sudden on the outfield? Um, Nick Solak out there. It's been 
I don't know. Big B is one of those guys you have to play on regular. And to me, I just think taking regular bats for somebody like that doesn't do him any good. So a lot of people, again, there's the debate will roll on about him too as well. But when we talked to him a couple weeks back and there was something he didn't mention that I did not know until recently that he had a same hitting coach as Aaron judge and one Ryan Carp and one Kerry Carpenter. I almost said Ryan Carpenter. Kerry Carpenter. And Nick Maton, too. Thank you. Nick Maton is playing the outfield, too. Thank you. I didn't uh, I didn't realize that because, again, it's a it's always a hodgepodge out there between that and the rotation. All right. But, yeah, let's let me, let me pull up a Jake. I want to pull up a Justice Bigby highlight for a reason, because, again, it's just the way he, he doesn't. I think what it is about him, what I like about him is his approach at the plate is he takes what's, and I've always, I've, I say this a lot. He, he takes what's given to him and just hits it. Now it sounds like a simple thing, but a lot of times people are trying to sell for power or whatever the case is. But I mean, what is the bat right here? Just put it out there and just get a really good connection with it. But still, nevertheless, he just gets it done. He just gets the, he puts the ball in play and he knows exactly when it really, and this is, and this is just and Luis Santana. This, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. It's just all muscle. This quick back. And this big probably has the best game. Probably one of the best games out there, honestly. Next to him up on perfect game for Mac and Good earlier today. And Oh, uh, Johnny Dickshot. There's a name out there named Johnny Dickshot, and it's a real baseball name. So, anyway, um, let me get to her. Let me ask you a question. Chris is going to join us here in a few minutes. So, I've got confirmation from him. Uh, they're high on Hurdler, but to the point where putting him in Triple A at this point, again, the same with Big B. I think they're going to keep that rotation together. They're going to need him for the playoffs. And Toledo, I kind of, I think that if, if the injuries were different, if the Tigers weren't so devastated by injuries, they would, I think Toledo would be a little different case this year. But their ERA as a team is like six. It's like six, six, one or six, 15 or something like that. I forgot the exact number, but I think he'd be there by now if it wasn't for the injuries, honestly. Um, he's pitched. When he's good, I mean, he picks his spots, he's good. I mean, he, he started when I saw him in Akron last week. He struggled off the gate a little bit, but he came back. He's just like, to me, he reminds me of Wilmer Flores this year where he'll bulldog through a start sometimes when he doesn't have his best stuff. So that's good to see. A lot, and Bigby's been selling shirts and he's been doing merch and he's been a, a really popular request out in Erie. That's good to see. But it's one of those things where, I think that Tiger fans, he'll start the season in Toledo, and they also have to make a Rule 5 decision on him, too. There's a lot of tough Rule 5 decisions. All right, back to the slides, though. I really love the slides. I love the slides. 
Chris Myers, another week. Good strong week. Eight for 23 and a home run, 17th home run. He'll probably hit 20 home runs this year, more than likely. And uh, then you have Ty Madden, who, and this is well-timed because we were just talking about this, is maddening the Ty Madden drives us all crazy. And Chris Brown joining joining me on this podcast. Chris, thank you. This is the longest I've ever spoken about myself. Yeah, yeah. Take a, take a break, take a drink, do what you got to do. Um, yeah, yeah. I imagine you uh, are you just finishing up here uh, with, with oh, Sea Wolves. Yeah, it was. You know, we're talking about the Sea Wolves. We're just kind of pitching the Sea Wolves. You and I were talking earlier about how maddening is Ty Madden. Well, yeah. So I mean, today was kind of. I think we talked about it before. Like, like the, like the average Ty Madden start seems to be about five innings, three earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. Every now and then he looks dominant, like he did in the first start of the year. Is a couple times since then, like he did in the first four innings today. Four hitless innings with eight strikeouts. He comes out in the fifth in its home run walk double. Uh, I think he actually may have given up one more run on a on a sack fly. You know, he got out of it, but it's it's that's just kind of who he is, unfortunately. The, there's there's a lack of consistency there from start to start and from inning to inning, unfortunately. Yeah, and again, it's one of those things where especially I think with Bowie too, you have to he, he he got to face one of the best offenses in the Eastern League this year, and so, um, yeah, I, I think that's one of those things where I, I think sometimes he tries to be too fine. You know what I mean? Like it might be more of a mental thing with him, but he still can't. He still struggles against lefties. When he tries to go in on lefties, it continuously to be it continues to be a problem. Yeah, and and you know we saw Sawyer Gibson Long have those same issues and basically develop. In his his words, he think he said he developed basically three new pitches to help counteract that. Uh, and they weren't all for for the lefties, but that's what he's done this year. And, and Ty Madden has all those pitches too. They just just not in, uh, not consistent enough to to make them work to get lefties out. Yeah, it's going to be a, a problem. Andrew Miller says, "Is Lansing still trying to get the Tigers Double A affiliate? Heard this might be in the works for the people responsible in Lansing." That's news to me. I didn't. I didn't know that. Did you know anything about that, Chris? I've not heard anything about that. Um, you know, it, it would be convenient for us, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, but you know, uh, we we certainly love the people out in Erie. We would it'd be a bummer to have them not be it'd a part be a bummer, of. It. Yeah. But at the same time, like I, I think these minor league development contracts are, are for a decade now, right? So I don't think that's yeah. even a possibility until twenty thirty. Uh, yeah. I, you know. I think Lansing Stadium could hold a double A team. Definitely. It's 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 got the capacity and it's uh you know it's pretty solid there. I, I don't know if they have quite the no, they've got the suites. Yeah, I mean that's that's oh, a double yeah, yeah. caliber. So theoretically they could do that. I mean I mean who knows? Maybe one day it's uh you know, Tigers uh high, high A is in Midland and double A is in Lansing and triple A is in Grand Rapids, but uh probably not likely. Yeah. And by the way, I think out of all, like, I really doubt Great Lakes is one of the best facilities out there. Honestly, that is very yep. underrated. When you go out there, Dow Field, it is to me severely underrated. It, it the way the way the layout is, how they have everything kind of the the, the corridors laid out, um, and then the suite area, fantastic, fantastic. The broadcasting area too is just 
top notch yeah. over there. So and they have uh, they have those like uh, underground tubes to help pump air to dry the field quicker after rain. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they, um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't. I'm not expecting Lansing to become the Tigers Double A affiliate anytime soon. Yeah, Erie's a great destination for a lot of reasons. I mean, Erie. There's, I love Erie. I, I honestly like the last three years. It's been such a great experience. Go time every time I go out there. And I think one of the things that is cool about Pennsylvania as a whole is it's a really great minor league baseball. Time. It's a great baseball state. If mm-hmm. you think about it, um, there's something about being a Kaiser and all that stuff. And, and then the connection with Cleveland, all that too, it's pretty fascinating how that all works. So, because you don't see that Michigan, Michigan people are like, screw you, Ohio, screw you, Pennsylvania. <laughs> but, well, yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just interesting, like a, a city like Erie, we were talking to Isaac about it, like, you know, there, it's like split three ways for fandom between the Bills, the Browns, and, and the Steelers in football. Yeah. That's like, you know, in, in baseball, I don't know. I mean, it's probably Pirates, but there might also be, you know, Guardians fans and probably some Tigers fans because, you know, the double-A affiliates there, so. And a lot of times, too, there's a lot of Pirate gear that I see around see, when you go out to upmc park there i yeah. mean and joe who's a one of our regulars <laughs> one group of lions fans there you and go. one group of lions fans yeah there's always one group and there's joe right there joe is i believe a, he grew up as a pirates fan so there is I, I don't understand why people get so upset that you know if the tigers or excuse me if erie's gonna promote that paul Skeens is in town for example why would they make a big deal about that i mean everybody else knows who else is there they know jace young is there so yeah it's it's you know it it it's minor league baseball they're trying to get as many people to the park as possible you get the number one pick from this year's draft who's going to play for the you know the closest pro team in the state the closest mlb team in the state you're going to promote it you know you're not going to say like hey cut let's all come out and celebrate this guy but come out and see him before he's in the big leagues right like it makes total sense it's, um, but you know, if you're a fan of that team or fan of the players on the team, obviously you might be like, uh, what about us? Well, yeah, well, we promote you guys five times uh, a week, six times a week, every game, but it's just the way it is. Yeah. There's, there's going to be, be big, some people that are upset. Yeah. There's going to be a big crowd there Friday. I mean, literally I'm probably gonna have to leave. I think about leaving even Thursday at this point because Friday's going to be insane, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens, but you know, this will be actually, you know what? I just thought about this. We'll be the second uh, Labor Day weekend in Erie. So we were there last week, Labor Day weekend, remember? Was that Labor Day? Yeah, it was Labor Day. Yeah. Oh, boy. We we're also, because we we're also complaining about the the charges. Remember the hotel charges got a little high? I, all I remember is, I mean, that was when we stayed in the uh, Super 8. Yeah, that was the Super 8. That was a, the weekend of the horror show. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah. yeah. But Joe says, yeah, he moved to Pittsburgh so he can, yeah, so Pirates and, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, hodgepodge there. But anyways, uh, getting back to the pitching, Chris, go and continue on. I'm going to. So you, you're talking about Madden, you, you know, Lockhart, you had the great uh, graphic you did today about how, how good Lockhart has been basically since the jump, since he showed up with Erie. It, it sort of began with, I want to say, was it was it New Hampshire? He was in New Hampshire or Hartford that he, like, randomly struck out nine guys over five innings like wait a minute and then he's just been good since then he had one or two rough outings 
one was in relief. Uh, I don't remember who it was. It in relief of Fido or somebody like that. I think it was against Harrisburg too. I think it was Harrisburg. Yeah. And, uh, but, but since then, yeah, look at that. You got the numbers right there. 11 starts, four and two, two, eight, one ERA, 64 innings, 77 strikeouts. He's given up three runs or less and nine of his 11 starts. He's, he's been outstanding for him. And, and we yeah. talked about it before, like the stuff doesn't necessarily jump off the page, right? It's like 90 to 93 fastball, a um, couple different breaking balls. And he was working on a split change, but the breaking balls, he, he locates everything. And this is kind of where I am with, with, uh, with pitching at the double A level, it's hard for me to know which guys are just guys and which guys are legit. Like, because last year, two of the best pitchers in Erie were Chance Kirby and Austin Bergner, right? Right. And they didn't have crazy stuff, but they were pitching consistently well. And this year, Chance Kirby retired and Austin Bergner has been struggling ever since he went up to triple A last year. So, um, you know, I, I hope that Lockhart can work out and become kind of like a Tyler, Tyler Alexander type, like, you know, lower velocity. You know, pitching as lefty, but I, I don't really know. I have no idea if he's in the plans for that or not. But he's certainly given himself a better chance by pitching this well. I will say this though: I think the big difference between Lockhart and those two you mentioned is the credit to the Tiger scouting department on finding him in looking at his number, looking beyond his numbers. Because this is again, this is yeah. why when whenever you read a prospect report. And they're just giving the numbers and they're not giving any insight on the numbers. So, for example, if they were saying, well, he's got an 844 ERA. Okay. But where is he playing at? Okay. So he's playing in the Texas League. So we know that's a hitter's friendly league. So we know for a fact that pitching numbers are going to be a little more obscure. Same thing with anybody that comes over from the PCL. If you're in the Pacific Coast League, if you play for Oklahoma City, and you're a Dodgers affiliate and you're batting 375. That's maybe going to translate probably it won't translate exactly the same on the major league level. So that's why sometimes like guys like Trace Thompson or something like that, for example, they're hitting really well in in a higher level, uh, higher C level or whatever the case is, whatever you're playing in a, in a different league, you always have to consider that. And, and I, I give credit to Tiger scouting here on this. They saw something with him and he told us himself he was working on a split. That's also another interview you have in our uh, series. And I thought he did a really good job of presenting that he was throwing a split finger, which is why he was kind of opening up a little bit. Um, Tyler Parker with a really interesting scenario here. We would love to see the Tigers go get a package, get a proven legit second baseman that opens up a package deal with Jace Young to acquire a frontline starter. It's not a bad idea. Uh, yeah. It, it um, you know, it kind of depends on, on who we're talking about, who are, who are the legit second baseman out there. I haven't really considered trading for second baseman. Um, Marcus Simeon, I suppose, right? But uh, that's not going to happen. Who else is uh, Ozzy Albies? Not sure that's going to happen. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd have to look up to see the other the legit second baseman that are out there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it is interesting now because... I do. People always talk about like, hey, why don't we trade some of our pitching for bats? And that teams just don't do that. Teams, for the most part, unless they're really ready to compete for the World Series, they don't trade any of their bats. For the most part, right? Like it's it's just yeah. the way it goes. You trade pitching, but if the Tigers are at that point where they actually have some surplus bats that people like, then yeah, I'd be fine with them going after, you know, a front of the rotation starter. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it would be tough to figure out the kind of package to do that. And that always feels like something, I don't know. Like I wouldn't mind them doing that to try to kick off a window of contention, but it always, it feels more like the, the final move when you're contending, right? Like if that's the Justin Verlander trade when you, you need that yeah. ace to get you over the top. But uh, yeah, Gallup just got there in Oakland and he's been tearing it up. Like He, he literally just came up uh, six weeks ago or whatever. And he's been doing really well. Wouldn't it surprise me? You know, it'd be funny though. I mean, they're like, wait, you're due for a race? Trade them. That's what Oakland's <laughs> been doing. Every time, it, yeah. literally, that's what Oakland's been doing, no matter what. It's it's a sad sack of crap of franchise. No, it's a sad part of my language, but it is a sad, shitty franchise. I'm sorry. <laughs> sack of crap. It's one of those sack of crap franchises. Sack of crap. Buy by the sack. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm checking. Normally, I don't Looking swear, but I mean, just it's just pathetic. I mean, yeah, they I literally swear. would. <laughs> by the moon and the star. All right, we're not going there. Uh, let's All see. Right. Mookie Betts not getting him. Marcus Simeon, Hassan Kim. I would love Hassan Kim from yes. the, from from Padres, but probably not going to happen. Nico Horner, Bryce Stott, Albies, Catal Marte, Lisa Rise, Whit Merrifield from Toronto. You go get him, right? No. Nolan Gorman, I guess, would be one, but that's um. I don't know. I don't know if the Cardinals are going to give up on him, but that that is a name that we've speculated on before. People have, right? Nolan Gorman, former first-round pick for St. Louis. They have Mason Wynn now. I don't know if they got rid of... Do they still have Tommy Edmond? They still have Tommy Edmond, right? Yeah, I believe they have Tommy Edmond, yeah. Slide, slide Edmond a second? I don't know. I, it's it's a possibility. I just, uh, you know, it's hard to find, uh, find a way to get a, a proven anybody without giving up a bunch of talent. Yeah, and I think one of the things that the Tigers may address with the with the abundance of bats that they have right now, maybe to get some pitching depth. Because if there's one thing the Tigers do need, I mean, Casey Myers is throwing 96-97, that's great. But I'd like to see that over 10 starts yeah. in a series of time. Because I don't, I, I'm always, and I will always be this way, I don't care, you might call me a stick, you know, an asshole for this, but until I see somebody with at least 50 or 100 innings after an injury, then I'll breathe a sigh of relief. It's that simple. Yeah. You can get, no, you, know, I, you know, you can get said, Oh, he threw off a mound. I don't care. I mean, it's good. He made yeah. progress. Don't get me wrong, but. So I mean, like, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of getting there with Job now. Right. Yeah. Like, he came back immediately and was throwing harder and the stuff looked crisp. You're like, okay, this is legit, but he's now up to probably 40 plus innings since getting hurt. And, and, no real issues. I mean, we'll talk about them in the next segment. So I, I agree with you though, but, but again, with him, it's a back and you never know when those things might pop up. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think that was something that you made really clear a couple of years ago with, with Michael Fulmer, like everybody was you know, counting on Fulmer to come back and be a piece of the rotation. And boy, did he struggle as a starter and they just kept throwing him out there for three inning stints. And it wasn't until the next year when they moved to the bullpen that something clicked for him. But, and we've seen it with Turnbull, right? Turnbull yeah. hasn't done anything. Since coming back from his injury, there's always that assumption that a guy is going to come back and and ready to contribute, and I never understood that because you look at rotate. I mean, you look at Tampa, for example. Tampa's had so many pitching injuries. Shane McClanahan's gone. I think out for the year, isn't he? Yeah, I believe so. So, I look at like for example, I, it starts with me as a as a youth. The White Sox rotation in the mid '90s. So Jack McDowell. Alex Fernandez, Jason Beret, and then those Mets teams in the mid-90s, too, that had really good pitching. 
Um, and Paul Wilson and Isringhausen right. and the other guy. And his son, now, it's not the same. It's, it's, it's not a son that's with the Titans that got drafted by the right? No, that's, that was Trevor Wilson. His Trevor son, Wilson. Paul yeah. Wilson. Yeah, Paul um, Wilson. But, but yeah, uh, there, was, there was the three-headed pitching monster for the Mets, and, and Isringhausen was the only one who had much of a career, and it was as a reliever mostly. Yeah. And I, I look at where I, I – the reason why – I never, it's never a count. It's a sure thing is, I mean, outside of the Braves in the nineties, I mean, that's, it's a rare thing to see a, uh, thank you, Michael. Pulsifer. or uh, Bill, Bill Pulsifer. That's a name I haven't heard in a long time. It's rare to see a three guy rotation, three man rotation that stays consistently together for a long period of time. It really, I mean, it's hard to pull off. It really is. I, so when I see I, those, huh, go ahead. Oh, so you see, I, I just, I, we've said it before, but go back to the Tigers, you know, 2015, right? Daniel Norris, my, uh, Matthew Boyd, and yeah. uh, and who, Michael Fulmer, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, 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 that's more what it looks like, right? You get, you get some guys pitching pretty well at times, then guys get injured, guys are inconsistent. And that, those were three, the Fulmer and Norris were both top 100 prospects. Boyd wasn't, but he ended up being the best starter of the bunch, right? It's just, it's a crapshoot. Yeah. And I look at the fact that you're, you're really starting with, with Detroit. I just think, like you said, it's almost, you have to have a, in, in, in every organization, even like, even, you know, what's funny to me is how good Cleveland was in the nineties outside of Charles Nagy. I'm trying to think of like that road. It was always like Charles Jared Nagy. Wright. And yeah, Jared Wright. It was Jared and, Wright. Yeah, Jared Wright, and then it was always free agents. It was Dennis Martinez, there was Jack Morris, there was Oral Horsheiser. Uh, let's see here. Um, I'm trying to remember right now. But it the the core of some of the really good rotations. I mean, even I mean Greg Maddox was a free agent acquisition. I mean, you know, the, the core of that rotation was Smoltz, homegrown product. And I yes, I know he came over from Detroit, but Atlanta made him who he is. And Michael's right. Moeller, Zito, and Hudson. And that was it, though. That was like one year. So it, it doesn't, you know? I, I get more excited about seeing Carpenter, Torkelson, and Green, and Meadows more than I see pitchers because I just feel like pitchers, it doesn't, it's, it never lasts as long as a core of, player, uh, of positional players to me. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, we didn't finish there with, uh, Brant Herter, decent start. One of his better starts recently. Um, I, I don't know if they're trying to ramp some guys down because they're innings. Like it seems like they haven't let him pitch six innings in a while. Because I don't think his pitch count was up too much. So five innings, three hits, no one runs, one walk, six strikeouts. That's more of what we saw from him at the beginning of the year. He's a guy that at one point we thought was kind of a shoe in to head up to Toledo, but he's struggling in the second half. So it's good for him to to get another solid outing like that. And and yeah, Madison. He had one rough outing, but came out today. I think it pitched two scoreless, maybe walked one, four strikeouts. Basically, you know, took, took the eighth and the ninth and got got the win, I believe, because the the Seawolves had a nice comeback today, spurred by, uh, as I imagine you already talked about it, Luis Santana and uh, and Bigby again. Yeah, just uh, the straw that stirs the drink. By the way, some you know some names in that Cleveland bullpen era too, Eric Plunk. Michael Jackson, man, that's, <laughs> yeah. that was I remember Plunk for sure. And yeah, Michael Jackson too. The reason why is because every time that during Sports Center, 
I thought they did a Michael Jackson highlight. Chris Berman or somebody would go, hee, hee. Oh, yeah. It's a bad idea. <clears throat> that was a bad idea. Oh. All right. Maybe. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I was, that's why I figured the 945. Oh, yeah, no, no, I did. I did. I did. Yeah. I did bowl. And by the way, bowl my best game. Three series in a long time. I bowled a, so being sick apparently works. 150, 144, and 196. My last game was 196. And literally, as I was, I was taking off my shoes as soon as it was like, gotta go home. All right. So West Michigan, I mentioned this earlier, Chris, three, one loss, one run losses. And it's just a West Michigan still maintains a one and a half lead as they go to Lansing, a tough place to play. I don't know. What is, we've talked about this before. Why is it in Lansing that it seems like it becomes like this circus show? Yeah. It's usually an offensive, uh, offensive explosion in Lansing that it's just a, it's a hitter friendly park. I think because of, you know, the dimensions are a little bit funky. And I think also that giant batter's eye and I think it, it tends to be windy. So um, yeah, it's, you know, this is kind of reminiscent of last year, last year, they, I don't think they had to leave, but they were in contention in the final two weeks. And it was in this, this time it's their game and a half up on, on Lake County and Fort Wayne, I think. And they don't get to play those two teams, so they don't, you know, they just got to do their best here against Lansing and then at home against Great Lakes. But, uh, yeah, they're in, I mean, they're in the driver's seat right now. They just uh, have to go out there and win some games. But they've been, despite the, the rough record this week, they've been playing pretty well overall, uh, certainly. And, and they have a, a, a more well-rounded team now, uh, thanks to the addition of Seth Stevenson, which we'll talk about in a second. But, I mean, the big name, Brady Allen, had a monster week. He's, he's shoe-in to be player of the week, which I think he did earlier in the year, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, 12 for 22, two doubles, four home runs, eight RBI, six walks, two strikeouts. It's it's a guy that I think ordinarily everybody would be like, call him up, right? Call him up. He's been playing well. Um, but, you know, they need somebody in the outfield there for them. West Michigan, Campos is still out with the injury. So, yeah, monster week for him. Really, another really good week for Luke Gold. 10 for 26, four doubles, two home runs, six RBIs, two walks, three strikeouts. He's, he's rocking an 893 OPS since June 1st. Um, you know, I remember, you know, in, in the offseason, we, we had did like a mailbag. Somebody was like, who's the next Kerry Carpenter? And we were like, well, listen, it's it's not going to happen. Those things are super, super rare. You don't get a, a Kerry Carpenter more than once a decade. And then Justice Bigby happened, uh, which none of us, neither of us predicted. I don't remember who I, I thought, I think my guess was Corey Joyce. I think you had Carlos Pena as a guy who might pop up from out of nowhere and be good. Yeah. Um, and Luke Gold, I wouldn't say is quite the same category because he's a fifth round pick, but he's a guy those first two months of the year, I thought he was going to wash out. I thought he was going to be another Jack Kenley. I don't you know, you remember him. I do remember Jack Kenley, the UCLA guy, right? Kenley was an uh, Arkansas, I believe. Oh, Arkansas. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, and he was like their eighth round pick and just immediately was apparent that he couldn't hit. But Gold has, has really turned things around. He's been hit for power. He came up from Lakeland to West Michigan. Uh, he's probably got 30, 35 games in West Michigan now. He's hitting for more power and walking more and striking out less at the higher level. We actually, Again, I, we, we have a year old. Go ahead, Chris. I'm sorry. No, I would say he's a 22 year old, almost 23. So, you know, you'd like to see him up at double A as soon as possible, but that he's producing and improving makes me wonder if he might be a guy who might pop a little bit next year, but we'll see. Yeah. 
I, I definitely the case. And he, he this is we found an audio of his last speech he gave to the guys at Lakeland. Sunsets, pony. That's a goal. Keep it that way. It's a good way to be. I want you to ask Dally to look at one. I don't think he's ever seen a sunset. There's still lots of good in the world. Tell Dally I don't think he knows. Your buddy Johnny. That's a tough. The one. Outsiders. Yeah, The Outsiders. That's a good movie. Uh, that was, yeah. I think I read the book. Yeah, the book. You never seen the movie? Yes, he you know, you know, plays, you know, plays, uh, Pony Boy, um, Rob uh, Baccio, or I'm not, there's Matt, Matt Dillon, and and uh, it's got the guy who played, uh, so they have Ralph Macchio, Tom Cruise, Emilio Estevez, Matt Dillon, um, Matt Dillon, Dillon, and uh, God, who was the guy who was Pony Boy, Thomas C. L. C. Thomas Howell, C. Thomas Howell, thank you, C. Thomas Howell, yeah. There you go. Um, I jumped. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about the audio there. Um, I think it was from uh, oh, uh, Leif Garrett. The I was made for dancing from 1977, 1979, and also one of the best behind the musics of all time was in that movie. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, it's a classic, like you know, come on, rage story, right? But um, anyway, but yeah, Luke, Luke Gold. Like like I said, you know, it's not a big B Carpenter situation, but he's he's a guy who's improved over the course of the year. So that's at least at least that has happened. Um. And you got Seth Stevenson, four for 13, a double, two walks, a strikeout, scored four runs, stole three bases. He's got 65 steals this year. Uh, and I put there next to that, West Michigan has 60 steals total this year. They're easily last in the Midwest League. Uh, so, yeah, if you take away Stevenson's three from them, he has eight more steals than the rest of the Whitecaps all year combined. And, and that just, I mean, he's immediately stepped into the leadoff role. And then it's really changed the dynamic of that team. Uh, because he's a little bit like Carlos Mendoza in terms of being able to get on base, uh, but he's much, much faster. Mendoza is, is aggressive and, and, you know, will steal bases, but Stevenson's just a, a steep speed demon. So you got you got him batting first. You got Gold batting second mostly. You got Allen batting third. It, it's, you know, Workman is down there doing his thing. So I don't know. I think they're well-positioned heading into the playoffs now with a more balanced team. Yeah, and what what's interesting, too, about West Michigan, even with their – the fact that even two and four gets Peoria this week, they are again, like Toledo, their offense has been at least keeping them in the games. They've been coming up with some clutch hitting and Stevenson, by the way, I was talking about this earlier. We're going to have a chance to talk to him Wednesday. If we could time everything, right. Get a chance to talk to him. And, and really the infusion from Lakeland has been not necessarily on the pitching side, but I mean, outside of, of course, Melton, but it is good to see some of the bats come up from Lakeland and, and really contribute. When in reality, I, I really, honestly, I think that was the most, unex- I mean, to me, at least that was an unexpected element. Yeah. You know, and it was, they brought up Dom Johnson months ago and, and he unfortunately hasn't done much of anything really uh, in, in West Michigan. But as we talked, Luke Gold has come up and been a, a really nice bat for them. And Stevenson has come up and really helped. So yeah, the, the, it's you know, for so much of this year, we talked about how there just wasn't anything going on right in Lakeland there wasn't much happening and uh it's just a good reminder that that it's a long season and things could change in the middle of the year at the end of the year like uh I don't think we we didn't have Luke Gold in our top 30 I would probably try to sneak him in there now but uh yeah it's uh the one guy I guess we thought that might be coming up from Lakeland 
just hasn't really put it together. He had, and Christian Santana is who I mean, right? That that yeah, he had a, a nice month, but uh, we'll see in the next slide that it's kind of back to the same old thing now. Unfortunately, um, we didn't talk about any of the pitching there if we wanted to. I don't sorry, know if you wanted to. Yeah, sorry, I was going to talk about Dylan Smith. By the way, Dylan Smith had a, a really nice start. He's uh, he's in West Michigan for now, you know, that he was, he was on there, there as a rehab assignment from Erie, but then they assigned him to West Michigan. I think this works out best for them. Uh, it's nice to see him go in six innings and, and, you know, scattered seven hits as they say, but nice, the only one earned run six strikeouts, no walks. So that's definitely nice to see. And then Jackson Job with a, a new career high six innings, which was also fun to see. He gave up two runs. One, he gave up, there was an error and then he gave up a home run right after that. So the home run ball is still a bit of an issue for him. But again, that's just, it's, it's because of the command. Sometimes he just leaves a pitch over the heart of the plate and it gets crushed. Um, and that hopefully will iron itself out as he continues to get more in. They did, they did a tandem start with Melton and Pena. I don't know if they're trying to watch Melton's innings or if that just was the one that made the most sense to them. But uh, he's got kind of a funny line. His last, his last two starts, it's like nine innings pitched, and like five hits, zero runs, and two walks and three strikeouts. Just like he's not missing any bats, but he's also not giving up any hard contact. It's kind of wild. Yeah, that is. You know what? I, maybe it's also because with Melton too. Maybe they're trying to see what he can do in in a. I want to say relief setting. It's possible. I, I wouldn't think they want to do that just yet, but maybe who knows? Like the, the one thing that I do worry about a little bit for the Whitecaps, if they head into the playoffs is the bullpen. They've got some decent arms right back there. Trevin Michael's got some pretty nice, nice stuff. Eric Pinellas has a nice arm. Elvis Alvarado has a nice arm, but they're, they're not consistent. None of those guys are consistent. Fortunately, Dario Gardea can come out and look like a, a, a lights out reliever. And then other times he'll come out and give up six runs. So if they want to go into the playoffs with Melton, it's like suddenly a, a, a power arm out of the bullpen, you know, because it, you know, if they don't think it'll hinder his development or whatever, and they think they can use that, then that's fine. But uh, it, it would just be an interesting choice. You don't usually see that. Although I guess, you know what we did in the playoffs last year, didn't we? Yeah. We saw, I think Madden pitched briefly and Herder and Wilt Flores were all kind of, at the end of the year, they were kind of bullpenning a little bit. Did Mel? I don't remember. Melon was injured last year. I'm trying to think. Or coming off injury from 2022. Oh. Well, he was he was drafted last year, right? Did he have a he had an injury in in college? I know he changed his delivery and his motion, but I don't remember if he had a. I don't think it was a serious injury, but it's possible that they might be watching his inning. Yeah, and you know, one of the things, too, that I just realized is they, West Michigan, I mean, there's always been the question of who's going to call up, who would Erie call up from West Michigan pitching-wise. West Michigan has a good chance to make the postseason. So Erie roster, all the rosters might stay intact. Good possibility for that. Yeah, the only thing, I'm not sure if the, the playoffs start earlier. No, I think both teams have two weeks left, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, 70. So, if he had 70, thank you, Michael. Michael said they had, uh, Melton had 65 innings in college and five in the minors. So, just 70 innings. They probably, 
don't want to increase that more than like 30, 35. So I don't know what he's at right now. But he may be getting close to 100. We'll look. Uh, and and maybe maybe they're just, they, they viewed this as maybe they want him pitching in the, in the playoffs, but they didn't want him to go over his innings limit. So they are using now to curb that a little bit. Okay. Looking, he is at. So while, you, while you're doing that, uh, he's at, Lakeland. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Yeah, it looks like he's at uh, 83. Does that sound right? 84 innings. Yeah, 84. That's us quarter Michael. Yeah. Michaels are kind of our admin in here anyway, so um, I would nice. go with Michael. So Lakeland cleaned up Clearwater. Bad pun intended. The, Clearwater has the best record in, in the Florida State League, I think, overall this year. Yeah. They, they got smoked. Yeah. It's kind of fun. And they're now f- up four on Clearwater and Bradenton as Lakeland now is pretty much in the driver's seat for the playoffs. Once again, but what Lakeland does have is they have the best run differential so far among all the teams. And they've just been, and I think they, I believe run score too. And so, but it's about the new guys. And this is where I will say this. I props to the Lakeland flying tigers this week for doing some video for the first time in three years. Three years we've been seeing some video out of Lakeland and the Flying Tigers. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it, it definitely helps because you know there's only so many times that we can post a screenshot of a box score or and it's you know, not cool. when, when you know you, you or you'll have you'll get messages from Sherry and stuff that, that are great, but you know yeah. she can't be down there every game and and uh, so it is she's nice. Actually, she's actually in town this week, by the way. She's oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, so it was nice to see video of Max Clark's first double and I think a video of uh, some other stuff going on. But yeah, yeah, what's kind of wild about it is is they were playing tremendously well with all those other guys. And when they brought in these new draft picks, they sent a lot of those guys packing, uh, as it were, back down to the Florida Complex League, which is not playing anymore. So guys like Manuel Sequeira and Mike Rothenberg, who'd been like their big power bat. And um, he went to the development list. Yeah, we got a question about him earlier. Um, Scott asked a good question. Why is he not like why was he sent down the developmental list? And I thought he played it well enough to at least go to West Michigan or stay or Lakeland. I, I was really surprised by that, Chris. I mean, there has to be a little more to that. Uh, you know, to, to me, I mean, this is the guy who was drafted. I think he's a senior sign drafted same like one round ahead or behind Josh Crouch. So he's he's got to be 24. if not pushing 25, I would think. And uh, they may just not view him as a guy who's, who's really part of the future. Even despite all the power, he's still striking out like 35% of the time, I think. And uh, so they might just say, you know, thanks for thanks for your help. Uh, you know, we want to see some of the other, we want to see Prisano catch, even though, uh, as Jeff told us, he's not really a catcher. But um but yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he had some aches and pains. They just needed a, a place to put him for now. And it it could be that, well, there was a play from Matt Walker. That's a great play. Nice, yeah. Uh, nice diving stop by the pitcher and, and throw from his belly, I guess from his knees. Uh, it, it may be that, that putting Marothenberg on the development list means that they can bring him back. Whereas if you put transfer somebody to like the FCL, you can't. I don't know. That would be sort of the, the minor league roster minutiae that I'm not super well versed on. But 
yeah, I guess they just really wanted to get new guys in. So we, just, Apple Vostidas is gone. A bunch of the pitching went away. They brought in the new guys. And, and it's kind of funny. They all had very similar weeks, it seems. Max Clark was three for 10 with a double, three walks. McGonigal was three for 10 with a double. I think Brasino uh, was three for 11 with a double. Like they all had solid weeks, which was nice to see. Uh, Brett Callahan was okay. John Peck didn't play much, but he, he performed fairly well. Cole Turney had a, a pretty good week. So, and, and then the, you know, some of the pitching, we saw another really strong short outing from Jaden Ham. I think he's got five hitless innings in the Florida State League now. Uh, here's the is that the McGonagall. No, that's the yep. Clark Award. No, no, that's McGonagall. That's McGonagall. That, that's his first. Uh, yeah, I think he doubled in his first plate appearance there. Yeah. So. Uh, Jaden Ham has pitched well. You know, he was a draft pick this year. And then there's the the kind of the secret guy, not secret so much, but uh Yosper Sanchez is is an interesting name to remember. He's a guy that we saw they got they, I think they called him up from the Dominican Summer League up to the Florida Complex League, right? Uh maybe I'm mistaken on that, but he, he popped up randomly and then we were able to see him pitch. And it was, I thought it was Marco Jimenez. He was sitting 96, 97 with a pretty good curveball. Um, so he's a, definitely a interesting relief arm potentially down the road. I think he's like 22 already, but he's a guy that hadn't, you know, these guys who pitch in the Dominican summer league, we, we don't know anything about them. We could look at their numbers, but we have no idea what they have. And then I saw this kid pitching. I'm like, Whoa, that's a big arm. So yeah, nice. so that's from Florida, Florida prospect report. Yeah, there's Max Clark. That was his. That was uh, so he got an RBI single there. I think to yeah. tie the game. That was his first RBI in Lakeland. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. <sighs> it's just it's nice to see these guys getting a taste of uh, full season ball. You know, it's the end of the year, but uh, again, they might be playing playoff games, which is it's going to be a, a cool, meaningful experience for them. Yeah. <laughs> And that's why, like I said, you don't want to call necessarily call them up and because the playoff experience is valuable. And so Michael's sharing the link with, see, I think, you know what I think Lynn does? I think Lynn just goes, hey, Ryan, listen, I need some stuff. I'm not retired technically. So uh, here, can we got? Um, yeah. well, hey, well, did you see any of the players play? No. Okay, it's not important. All right. Well, uh, I don't yeah, need to I mean, do that. He's got, apparently, he's got Garko's uh, number, and well, Garko will talk to him, which is uh, it's nice. Um, Ryan Garko yeah, does not return our email. He doesn't. It, apparently, though, he, apparently he's very media shy. So I did um, talk. Like I said, when I confirmed him last year, I remember calling him off guard. He's like, "Oh, I'm familiar with you guys. You guys are, you guys are good." Yeah. Like, so, come on the podcast. Right. Oh, maybe we'll see. Yeah, it's some guys don't like to talk. They don't want to. They don't want to talk to us. They don't want to talk to other people. But. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting because you know we, we we asked about we asked Jeff Potts about some of those guys down in Lakeland who were putting up numbers and and he gave us kind of the unvarnished opinion that he got from he went down there with people to look at because based on the numbers and and he talked to scouts and the scouts were not terribly impressed with Perseno or Clayton Campbell. I think he said Campbell's a two athlete, uh, which is not ideal, but uh, you know the guy if they're hitting they're hitting so maybe you can hit your way out of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not hitting or anybody not hitting much off t- Tanner Cole heap four innings, ten strikeouts. For it's yeah, allowed. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a guy with nasty, nasty stuff that it, you just you hope that he can rein it in enough to you know, work. 
out of out of the bullpen late innings because it's it's a crazy sinker. It's a, it's a really good slider. So big arm, yeah. They're four innings, two walks, ten strikeouts. He did give up four hits and two in runs, but again, sometimes that's that's just self inflicted. Him not being able to hit the strike zone. But um, it's a bobblehead. But, uh, oh, Lego. so it's, it's a. Billy Joel Armstrong. Oh, it's, been, oh, oh. it's the official Green Day Funko Pop. Green Day Funko Pop. It's a part of the official part of the podcast. No, no. Oh, all right. Um, yeah, and and I guess we didn't mention so that there were a couple guys who were down there who who've been down down there for a little bit, who who you know, didn't have great weeks. They were okay. Santana, as I was saying earlier, kind of teasing that he's back to his old thing. One for nineteen. The one hit was a home run. Then three walks and nine strikeouts. And it's it's. It's just kind of a bummer. It, uh, it's. I think he's pressing. Think, I like, think he's pressing yeah. again. You know, uh, there's an opinion uh, we've heard a couple times. Like, hey, get him. He's not seeing enough strikes. You know, get him up to West Michigan. It's like, well, some of these other guys aren't having any trouble. Uh, <laughs> so this is this is uh, this is what Lynn said or Garco said. Very yeah. adamant. Brasino as a catcher. Also said Campbell's a good athlete. Uh, uh, Campbell is a good athlete. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he is. Wait, Campbell. At his young position, or did has he was playing in the Australian league? Did I mean he played catcher? He played third base too as well. Yeah, listen, I I haven't seen either of them play. I was going off. Jeff told us what what he heard from scouts. Uh, I guess Garko has a different opinion. We'll see what plays out over the next year or so. I I mean I, we were excited about Campbell. He, he's a doubles machine, and Brissano just keeps hitting right. He gets on base yeah. and he hits for power. I put it on the next slide. We didn't really need it. Uh, but that uh, Brissano is, you know, top 10 in a bunch of categories in the FCL. A little bit of, uh, yeah, ended up with the second best uh, OPS in the complex league, third in hits with 55, third in doubles, sixth in home runs, third in RBI. Samuel Gill with, uh, you know, top 20 OPS, top 10 in hits, 12th in walks, 22nd in steals. I just put that on there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, so here's the thing. We, we've learned this about other people in the organization, and I, I think it's normal for um, the people involved in the development and, and the, the coaching of these players. They, they're not necessarily going to tell you the truth. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell us the truth, the unvarnished, you know, 100%. This is what the guys are bad at. This is what they're good at. They don't usually do that. So we kind of have to use our our detective skills to figure out when they're being honest and when yeah. they might be um, when they might be trying to tell us what they think or, people want to hear or say, give us a tell. Like we figured there's one yeah. person we've, we know we talked about this way. Oh, we're not going to say who it is, but we, we're going to tell their tells. Yeah. And, and that's just a, a matter of us talking to these people in the system more and trying to figure it out. And, and then going back to Murphy banks and, and thinking, okay, this is what, this is what happened. This is what we think. Um, Maybe Garko is, is being 100% honest. I I don't know. I mean, it, like, Briseño is six foot four and a giant, and uh, it's tough for the guys like that to catch. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna remain skeptical until we see it. Yeah. No. Um, look, I, I look. I welcome everybody else to believe Garko. I think we're in a unique position because Lynn is a reporter, is a journalist. We're kind of a hybrid of things, if you will. And we're wrong, we're wrong. And we've, like I said, we've, I, that's not kind of humble brag or anything like that. It's okay yeah. to be wrong about things, but it's just sometimes I get, I think I get irritated sometimes when it's because 
they ask somebody versus what they see. I think I'd rather, what is it? The Tommy boy line. I'd rather ask. Okay. You can get a good look at a T-bone by. Look, at, yeah. stick up the, your head up a pole's ass, but I'd rather ask the butcher's word for it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I don't, and again, like, yeah, we're, we're, we're certainly not perfect at all. I, I was kind of pushing the Josh Crouch hype train last year and that came to a screeching halt and it's just the way it is. It's, it's what happens with prospects and development and who knows, maybe those guys are great athletes. Maybe like I said, it, it, things change over time. They're both still pretty young. I think Campbell's 21, Shano's 18. I think he's 18. I think he's younger than McGonagall. So I wouldn't not be. I wouldn't be like, you know, disappointed or not excited about those guys. I just would pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah. Just, you know, like I said, it, everybody sees, everybody sees things differently. And so it's all about perspective. Like I said, sometimes when I see when they're just like the, well, they're, they're prospect expert because they're told by the team, the information versus seeing what they see. No. You know, it's just to say it's a it's a kind of a, like, for example, I think I could think of um, a more recent example of uh, uh, Troy Mountain comes to mind. Troy Mountain wasn't a prospect. And then we were kind of noticing that the velocity was there and then we confirmed it with. But then the first person, the first thing that Jeff said without even provoking uh, without us provoking it was talking about Troy Mountain, how everybody's all high on him. Mm-hmm. And but he wasn't a household name by necessarily. But we saw the movement. We could saw we saw that was capable of it, and it's better than to get that than four months, four weeks later when people come around about Justice Big But hey, what what do I know? Yeah, and Mike, Michael Myers said Campbell's nineteen. I appreciate that, Michael. I was confusing yeah. him with with Daniel DeMonte, the Italian, who um, who has ridiculous. Speed. He actually does have kind of ridiculous stuff, but the the traditional numbers are not like. I don't know if it's ever going to work for him because he can't throw strikes and he gives up runs, but like commands, his, his, yeah, commands not there yet. It's his fastball is like 2,600 RPM. The cutter is like 2,900. It's, it's nuts, but uh, yeah, he can't command any of it. So, and he's 21. So I think I was confusing him with, with Campbell, but yeah, like again, it's cool that these guys are getting a taste of a full season ball. And I expect to see them back there next year. Yeah. But, uh, if they keep producing, you move up. And if you keep producing, you move up and, and then you, you shut people up. Right. So, yeah, it's it's tough to know with guys in, in, in rookie ball and low A. Exactly. And it's well, hopefully next year, if we can get proper funding, which is why we ask you to donate to the PayPal and the Super Chats, that we can go see Lakeland and go down. I, I, like my goal next year is to raise uh, by the beginning, end of the year, raise enough money, like three thousand, four thousand dollars to cover us for the entire year or travel costs and then site costs and all that stuff. That way we can yeah. go. We're like, Hey guys, you guys going to Lakeland? Hell yeah, we are. Boom. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you know, and we're hoping that Lakeland will be on the app next year so we can watch them much, much, much more. Um, yes. But uh, obviously it, it always helps to, to see guys in person. Um, no, but, Michael's, tr- Michael's, tr- it's true. What he said, I mean, he says in here, I'm sure in the article, they would not be very critical of their own players. Well, they want to push value in case of trades. Just found it funny from the reports we heard. Yeah, I did found it funny too. It was it was just just like, uh, okay. <laughs> no, it, hey, maybe they believe in these guys. Maybe they, they obviously. I would think they would know more about. Like, you, there might be 
you might look at a guy like Campbell or or Briseño as a scout, right? And look at him and go, that's not an athletic body. That's not a, he's not a good mover or whatever, but the Tigers have, I'm sure all the actual internal testing, right? They've got, they probably know what they look like off force plates and their blast motion and all that stuff. They might know that actually this guy's an explosive athlete. He just, he hasn't gotten into it yet. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I, I just generally teams don't say anything negative about their prospects like ever in public. Right. I'm sure they, they tell them all sorts of bad stuff in private. We've heard, Many instances of this, but uh, yeah, in public they're not gonna they're not gonna down any of their players because it's a bad look. Yeah, it is a bad look. So, but uh, all right, Chris, was there anything else you wanted to cover this evening? Not really. I mean, you know, I missed missed the the first. Uh, so you talking? I'm sure you had fun talking about Toledo putting up all sorts of runs and and uh, I don't know if you discussed the whole like if there's an extra spot on the forty man now and who's gonna yeah get we talked about up. that a little earlier yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, you're, you're heading off to Erie on Friday. Yep. Said. You're going to mm-hmm. go see, catch Paul Skeens. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be in Lansing at least twice, if not three times this week. I'm Definitely. So go we're going to try to go catch Job and Smith, I think, hopefully. Um, and then I'm going on Friday, no matter what. It's uh, it, This was like a, a family thing. I'm going, uh, my, my son and all his buddies, they're all going to a lug nuts game on Friday night. It just so happens to be against the Whitecaps. And uh, so I'm going to be there for that too. That's why I'm not going to be in Erie. So Wednesday, I'm going to be at, um, uh, Wednesday. I'll be Lansing with you. I think Wednesday we're going to go out there, so we'll catch the Steph Stevenson interview. Tuesday I'm going to be in Toledo because Sherry. Oh, all right. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I may. Well, shoot, I can't. Maybe I can't. I can't. can't? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a solo parent this week. Um, I, maybe I can pawn off my son on, my, on his grandma, but. <laughs> um, it's just the way like and like i i want to bring him to some games too but it's you know toledo it's we'd be getting home at like 11 and that's a bit much for him like yeah final week before school yeah there's oh that's gonna be a good road trip for tyler he's going to chicago this week watching the cubs and brewers on wednesday tigers and Sox on friday the first just be careful when you're in chicago oh, it's Winslow, a, it's yeah, i mean i wonder did you i mean the way winslow's been playing he certainly looks like the guy who would deserve the call up the most but and also just because of how versatile he is we've talked about it he can play the infield he can play the outfield he's a switch hitter he hits for power now he would 11 doubles he's got more walks and strikeouts or at least close steal a base or two i was talking about this earlier chris they have a, a tough really tough decision here because keith again had a really good week justin Hermoy also had a really good week and ryan Kreidler. Also had a good week. And and, and Laundry Lipsius, it was all of them. And we heard this from Parker Meadows. I heard uh, Meadows talk about this to him. And I believe Scott Harris said this earlier in the week when I was down in Comerica. There's guys down there who are chomping at the bit. Like they did. They believe they deserve it up here. And so, um, yeah, Jeremy, thank you for the kind words. We appreciate it. And um, much, and again, and Jeremy, shout out to Jeremy, who's been running the pick the stick um, oh. channel on our discord. And so if you're on our discord, it's free to join. There's no, there's no cost. And what you're probably asking yourself, what is, what is discord? What is, so basically it's a message board. So if you're familiar with the old, is that a good way to put it, Chris? It's, it's, it's a, a chat room. Yeah, to cross between like a chat room and Twitter, I would say like like uh, less with less bullshit than Twitter. Yeah, 
I mean, for now, <laughs> I guess the, the more people we get in there, the more likely that there's going to be some nonsense. We've had a couple <laughs> things happening, but, um, but yeah, it's 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 a good good group of guys in there. There's, I think it's generally, yeah. I mean, listen, there's we talk we talk sometimes about uh, about Lynn's seeming fascination with Cody Clemens, and in Ty Cops, that according to Lynn, Stephen Moy and Ryan Streeby should be in the Hall of Fame. This is what happens if you if you. <laughs> If you hype up minor leaguers too much, you know, people will remember <laughs> you for it and say, "What happened to that dude?" Uh, I will say this: hasn't been a bad couple of weeks for for people who had to Parker Meadows in their top five in the Tiger system. Yeah, oh, oh, who, I wonder who that was. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, yeah. will he, will Parker Meadows sustain the way he's been playing? I seems unlikely, right? I don't think he's a thousand OPS player, but. Uh, you're seeing a lot of why we had him, why we bumped him way up to begin the year and why we kept him in the top five, because the floor is pretty high and the ceiling is pretty high too. So anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, who, I don't know who, 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 Oh, Oh, wait, wait, what? Wait. Oh, well, that's crazy. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and like we bumped him down and it wasn't because it was because Joe's Joe came back healthy, looking good. And because Clark, is a is a really dynamic prospect, but Parker Meadows is is you know could arguably be six foot five Max Clark. Like I, it's just one of those things where I think people. I talked about it in the Motor City Metrics, and not to go way too off to, off topic here, but Cole Reagans, the the pitcher that the Royals got from the Rangers, he was a top ten prospect in the Rangers system, but then missed three years because of various injuries and, and COVID, and so he just wasn't a prospect anymore. They did, he wasn't on prospect lists anymore, and now he looks outstanding for Kansas City. It's, it's like people, if you have a couple bad years, people just write you off, it seems. And uh, I think that's what happened with Parker Meadows. But we were paying attention because that's kind of what we do. Yeah. yeah that's, think, uh, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's you're supposed to pay attention. And that's exactly what it is. You're supposed to be paying attention. It's never well, like a 24 hour day thing sometimes. Yeah. We talk about like, nobody can pay attention to every player in every system. It's impossible. It's hard right. enough for us to pay attention to one system and, and get things right or close to right. So I don't you know, blame everybody about that, but uh, maybe if you want to rank some prospects, come ask us, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Baseball America, or, uh, you know, it's crazy. Or pipe, you know, pipeline. I think they both had them outside their top 10 and, and it's just, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Like, like I said, that's why, that's why it cracks me up about this. Again, it's not us being conceited. It's it's not it's having as what Deadly Ninja B said, the receipts. It's having the confidence to go out there and, and put ourselves out there on the line. We've been wrong. I've been, like I said, I we're 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 good we're you 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 can't get this right. You can't get every single prospect right. But you can't call yourself an expert when all you're doing is reciting from somebody that works for the team. It doesn't work that way to me. And I, that's what frustrates me. I sound like I have a bitter chip on my shoulder a little bit, but all in all, I'm just confident in our abilities. Um, I had an incident this week, by the way, before we end the podcast, Uh-oh. where um, somebody it was it was more to do with Motor City Metrics, and they were kind of patronizing me. They were talking about how they I was I expressed interest in saying hey for the off season. To by the way, I put the donation button in, in there for it goes to that goes to our PayPal. So you because YouTube takes out a certain percentage. So if you want to donate to that, our donation button's right there. 
uh, or in the super chat as well. Anyway, they had the podcast. They were talking about, I asked them, they were, they were, I, I volunteered to say, Hey, I can produce, I can edit, or I can help out with college sports as you know, college football and high school football kicked off this week. Mm-hmm. And they were just polite. And I knew they didn't listen to any of the, 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 the shows or anything I've, we've done. They said a really roundabout, polite kind of like, thanks, but no thanks. And I picked up on it pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I responded like, just letting you know, dot, dot, dot. We've been, I've been doing podcasts for with my with my with Chris network now for over ten years. You don't really have to talk down to people like that. And I guess the lessons for all that is is that it's the same kind of thing. Sometimes we run into people where it's like they kind of it's like a curiosity thing. Like, oh, that's nice, and it's like the people know they know. And I'm 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 just I'm grateful for the fans we have. I'm grateful for the people that tune in every Sunday night with us. And we've done this for twenty week twenty. And um, I'm just grateful for the fans we do have and the people that know they know. And so that's that's all I'm saying. I'm, I'm grateful beyond a hundred. Like like I said, Joe, for example, last time we're out or one of the last times we're on Erie, actually it was I forgot when it was last. We, we met maybe Joe. Beginning of the year, maybe even yeah, I think it was the beginning of the year. Joe sat with us the entire game. It was fun. We were just sitting there talking baseball. I've met Stan. I've met some great people doing this. And I met Jeremy. Uh, I actually met Jeremy too. It, it, it's been fantastic. So for the people to know, they know mm-hmm. grateful. Thank you. They don't, and then, and they don't talk to us like we're idiots. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah. Anybody who listens or interact yeah. with us, we should. So. Right. And I know. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back. Uh, I'm actually dropping a Winsteel Perez article either tomorrow or Wednesday, state of the farm or state of farm. But we'll see you on the road here Tuesday. Possibility to go to Toledo Wednesday for sure. We'll see us in Lansing. It's probably Thursday too at this point. Friday will be out in Erie. Chris will be out in Lansing Friday. And I'm trying to think of maybe maybe going to Tigers game. Actually, I'm still a public risk to be, you know. (laughs) Well, yeah. And then and then, you know, we've got definite plans to be back in Erie for the playoffs. There could be playoffs in, in West Michigan as well. So we yeah. have to we have to work some things out there. I may be in Denver the weekend of the seventeenth. Um, that's so awesome. That's kind, of, that's kind of up in the air in a very strange way now. I'll tell you off the air. No. Okay. Um, no, no, no pun intended because you're actually going to go to the Mile High City. <laughs> um, yeah, but so we're going to be all over the place. So we'll yeah. keep you guys updated. And if you are there, come hang with us. We yeah. enjoy that. Shout out to you, Mitch. Mitch, you're the best. Buy the page Giants book because Mitch wrote it and he's a member of the Saber for the Michigan chapter and he's a good guy. So thanks guys. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good week, everybody. I gotta hear the story, right? That's crazy. I'm gonna hear uh...